is actually our second attempt at this. Uh, for some reason, we had some technical difficulties, but anytime you start something new, it's usually an epic fail the first go out. So appreciate your patience and uh, thanks for carving out some more time. Yeah, that's no problem. You know, <laughs> comics are the same way. ClaireConnellyComics.com, you have tons of stuff. Also, you have quite a bit that's available through Comixology, The Long Year, Phantom Harvest, Black Eyes, and then you have collaborations with Erica Schultz, which I'm a big fan of, the unauthorized biography of Winston Churchill. You guys have done another project together called Cheese, A Love Story. And then you have some stuff with Eric Grissom, Animals, uh, The Mark, anthology type stuff. So go check Claire out. I have stuff loading everywhere, so sometimes I hand a book and I don't even realize I'm in it because publishing takes so long. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I drew this three years ago. And then they'll be like, oh, you know you're in this. And I'll be like, oh, cool. That has to be like at least once every New York Comic Con. I find out I'm in a book that I completely forgot about. Sometimes things never get released. So I guess it's better to have had something that got published and you found out about it than to uh, do something and it never goes anywhere. <laughs> I've done any of that, too. So then I'm just like, eh, I guess I'll just repurpose it for myself. Coming up through the world, going from education into doing things yourself, how do you really come about going in a direction of a style? Is it mostly with the types of mediums that you enjoy? Kind of how do you land there? I think as far as really what a style is, it's just a set of rules. So if I was younger, I would just literally sit down and write a set of rules. Like, I'm only using straight lines, black and white, and I'm going to see what happens. After you do that enough times, I think a lot of people in their heads want to draw a certain way and not the way they naturally draw. So I just try to lean into how I naturally draw and always like to sketch. And I always hate making super clean, finished drawings. I always felt like they always looked really stiff or they didn't look like me. One day I just decided the way I draw my sketchbook is just going to be the way that I draw everything. So really loose, gestural. I love acrylic-based inks. I always wanted to be a painter. All those supplies are really toxic and you need a lot of space to do it. You can't really do it just in your home, in like your bedroom or the TV room. You really need like a well-ventilated area. So I take a lot of techniques that a lot of painters use, and I just apply it to ink drawing. That's interesting, the way you're talking about setting a, like a, a criteria uh, before you even get into something and kind of just, I'm only going to use this. I'm sure that stretches you and makes you perform in, in ways and look at things differently. So that does sound challenging. I know that when you were doing all the different types of characters, how you were using all these little kind of, was it completely random? I can't remember criteria for you creating your characters. Yeah, for Inktober this year, I created, like, a giant table with, like, a lot of, like, more fantasy-based, just because I was like, I want them to at least look like they belong in the same world. And I rolled two six-sided die. I rolled, like, a one and a three. It was 13. And I'd look at the first set of adjectives. And then I had three columns, so I had to roll three times. And then if me, like, muddy, wizard, or and I'd have to, like, <laughs> try and draw it. Because normally, you know, I'm more inclined to draw more heroic main characters so this mm. forced me to draw like funny sidekicks um evil villains more generic characters to fill backgrounds i had to do it all in a day so i was doing a ink wash painting every for a month so that was a lot to then regardless of how busy i was that day to carve out at least four hours to work on it 
in my head, it automatically takes me to my oldest daughter just like got buried like in a, like an hour deep into just going through all the different tables and just rolling to come up with backstory for her character. So I know that you, you have a love for tabletop and it's actually one of the projects that we're going to mention here. It seems just really cool that that's exactly how that you were coming up with those characters. So I enjoy that whole idea and it was really cool getting to see those as you release them. Yeah, no, it was super fun. Even now when I um, get like empty head and I can't figure out like what to draw, I just will the dice out and just roll. So at least it gets me drawing and then other ideas will like come out of my head. So I still do it pretty regularly. I haven't posted any lately, but I probably do that at least once every other week. Just roll and see what I uh, need to draw. A Book of Cryptids, there's a podcast called Monster Talk that I listen to that's uh, really cool. Uh, Blake, the guy that heads that up, uh, goes and speaks at this thing in Kentucky called CryptidCon. I didn't even I know there was such so, a thing. I want to go so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so check that podcast out. Uh, really, really, really cool podcast. Him and I, I believe it's Karen. She's an Australian gal, lovely voice. I like listening to both of them talk to people. Cryptids were a thing that really hit my radar between that podcast and uh, the Fallout game that uh, was released that was set in my home state, West Virginia, is that a book that you're doing like as an art book with the characters? Are you going to release that? Yeah, I'm thinking that it's mainly just going to be an art book with, I probably did close to, uh, definitely above 80. I don't know if I did 100 different drawings of cryptids. It's all based in North America because I had to limit myself or I'd spend the next four years doing all these drawings <laughs> but yeah no i fell into the same thing where i was like i used to like you know watch things about bigfoot and stuff but it's funny because i one of my friends mentioned going to the mothman museum in west Virginia, so we drove out there and then i was like dudes are so cool i'm gonna make that my inktober project i think that's less than an hour from where i live so you're right in my neighborhood when you came down yeah i didn't realize it i think i posted a picture and you're like hey <laughs> You're near me. And I was like, oh, I'm me and my friends probably drove 40 hours. We were just driving all over the place. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm 10 hours away already. <laughs> um, that was the first time I'd ever been in Ohio. I was in there for about minutes. I really love monsters. I feel like cryptids are kind of like contemporary folklore. We don't really talk about our neighbors being witches or hags and drowning children in wells anymore. So I feel like the kind of like monster in the woods is kind of like a very pulpy idea. They're so weird looking. Eye of the Jersey Devil, which is like the head of a horse, the body of a kangaroo, bat wings, and a devil's tail. Like, it is the weirdest looking thing ever. Of course, it's not real. Yeah, it's just um, a strange mishmash. And I'm sure you've probably come across it on the internet. Lore did a really good episode, I think, on the Jersey Devil. Yeah, like, it also ties into, like, the 50s aliens and being abducted. So I drew some aliens. You know, it's like men in black it's just it's like a big old rat hole very very cool and i agree just very very pulpy harkening back to like weird tales and you know all that kind of era of things when you could make things that were unbelievable because science had not explained so much uh, your, mm -hmm. your imagination uh was kind of uh, a little bit more wide open uh in the past because things hadn't been explained away so you could have all this kind of lore and mythology and then you know science comes along and kind of just 
ruins it. Yeah, but then again, with the internet, there's like Slenderman and, and stuff like that. I count him as a cryptid. I drew him. There's also, I guess it was like six or seven months ago, there was someone who was wearing a giant TV head dropping old televisions on people's front porches <laughs> in this like random town. And I was like, that's a cryptid. I'll take, take it. That makes me think of Saga. Yeah, basically, it looked exactly like that. And uh, someone sent me and they're like, oh, it's a contemporary cryptid. And I was like, "It's uh, I'll take it. It was like a guy in a big jumpsuit with one of those big honking early 90s televisions on his head with like the antenna dropping off like those big clunky 80s tvs on people's front porches funny quite strange we've talked about cryptids we dabbled in your character creation talking about tabletop games if i'm not mistaken you're making a manual slash module of all the king's men yeah, it's based okay. on my world or comic series, uh, The Forgotten King. So it's just like a s- super spooky, eclectic kind of like fantasy world, but so. not as in-depth as J.R. Tolkien's or anything like that. So. <laughs> I'm excited uh, to see what you come up with, especially with my girls doing the whole uh, tabletop thing. So when it comes to those types of things, I see that you paint miniatures and that you play. Do you have like a regular game that you attend or a group of people that you play with? Yeah, I have like actually two different groups I play with. One group is actually all the illustrators that I went to school with, which That's is pretty cool. cool because everyone can like draw uh, their characters and everything. So it's like super visually based i keep telling them all that we have to like collect all of our drawings and put it in a book so i play with a group of illustrators and we play pretty regularly probably about twice a month just based on everyone's schedules everyone's like at a convention every month and then i play with some co-workers who are all book nerds so they're super into reading so i like playing with different groups because each group kind of brings something to it when I get to play multiple characters, which kind of stretches my ability to write characters and work on narrative. Every time you think something's going to go one way, it goes a different way. It also gives me an excuse just to be a little goblin and just run around and light things in place, too. <laughs> one of the things that I always liked about playing with a group of people is that some people really, really, really get into being a character. Tabletop obviously has rules, but there's so much that you can do. It just on a whim, that is really what I always loved about playing with a group of people, because some people just like to get you in trouble. Oh, yeah, completely. It allows everyone's weird, unique sensibilities to really shine through, especially something that's so wide available, like D and so much different stuff to choose from. I really feel like you could play it almost as like a funny sidekick, or you could be someone who's used the law to their advantage and stuff like that and um you don't have to play the game so black and white there's so much gray area for you to explore that i really enjoy and like video games you have every option underneath the sun which sometimes can feel overwhelming but i'd rather have that and it keeps me social too which is because i spend most of my time alone i think that honestly and truly that you guys could have something there with all the illustrators getting together, Instagram or some type of page that you can go to, because I know for a fact people would hop on that. That'd be super cool. I don't know. That sounds like a gold mine of something to tap into. Oh, I know. I really should, because it's like so hot right now. My favorite cryptids, all the king's men. Educate me on what onions make me cry. It's a fantasy kind of all ages series I've been developing. Um, it's basically the tale of falling around this little knight 
and he is made of onions, kind of the weird shenanigans he gets himself into. Like D&D, he generally defeats most creatures in a very strange backhanded way. So he like defeated a vampire with like a butterfly net. He came across a sleeping cyclops and then just poked the eye. The issue I'm working on right now is he comes across like a giant jello gelatinous cube that was in the background of a different issue. It starts eating all of his stuff. So he just <laughs> basically has to crawl out and abandon all of his belongings. I'm thinking like anywhere from like 8 to 12 pages. The whole idea is I want to make a fantasy adventure that's fun, lighthearted for all ages, I guess. I think science of all ages gets kind of pegged as mostly for children. But something every everyone can enjoy. I've really been enjoying drawing, doing a lot of fantasy drawings. So I kind of wanted to do something set in a world that's a little more fun. And I get to draw a little onion. Kind of figure out where this story's going. A lot of things that you're doing have the same thematic elements, but just different enough to go, you know, in their own direction. So taking people from one project to the next, hopefully will will flow well. My girls are both still in grade school. When it comes to reading, I've really been excited for them because graphic novels have really uh, started to become kind of a staple. I, I see both my girls literally like laying in the bed at night reading graphic novels that they can go to school and take tests on earn points becoming star readers and i think that's really cool i'll be looking forward to pass it on to them the comic that you posted adventures of momo i picked that up and they really enjoyed that so hopefully that lands well for you yeah, I'm hoping so. Kind of like a renaissance, especially um, in graphic novels and comics more geared towards varied age readers, especially within the past 10 years. I feel I feel like um, most comics or graphic novels are geared more towards adults, not even teens necessarily. I feel like that's where manga has really filled that gap. But when I was a kid, I had like Captain Underpants and Calvin and Hobbes. And those are really... Other than, like, the Peanuts and, like, newspaper strips, there really wasn't that much stuff really geared towards children other than maybe some, like, old Disney reprints. So I really want to kind of fill that void of something that I would have liked to have read when I was a kid. and But making it accessible enough that, like, my parents wouldn't want to, like, pull their eyes out if they were trying to enjoy it with me. I think the only thing that I've really enjoyed, even as an adult, that uh, in both lanes is I, I enjoy the Adventure Time comics and uh, Over the Garden Wall. I really love that series and mm. I enjoy the graphic novels. It's uh, probably one of my fave. I love Over the Garden Wall. I watch that at least like two or three times a year. It's just fantastic. I mean, start to finish. I mean, literally scouring the internet for the soundtrack before they actually released it. And my girls and I just drive down the road, listen to whatever I could find and stream. But uh, yeah, it's so great. I mean, concept is, is great. I'm glad that uh, it happened and never really enjoyed the graphic novels as well. Yeah, me too. I really like it, especially because I felt like science cartoons get so candy coated with like bright colors and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it was nice to see something that had such, um, uh, color sense and backgrounds and story and weren't afraid to go in a slightly darker direction. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, we forget that children do so enjoy uh, darker stories and creepy things. 
I know that's what I enjoyed when I was a kid, like more sc- scary stories to tell in the dark. Like that was my jam, like sitting around <laughs> reading ghost stories, you know, and stuff like that. So I think traditionally in the history of children's story, a lot of times are cautionary tales and uh, used to warn uh, really pitted actual danger against the characters and and it makes you scared and fearful and all those i think that's one of the things that's missing from like you know with a superhero craze on the big screen right now is yes we all love seeing those characters on the screen and uh, they're fun films to watch but for me personally i never feel like anyone's in danger oh yeah no i feel completely the same way especially because i draw comics everyone's like oh uh, have you seen the new you know know, this you know i'm always like oh no not yet because again i think they're really well executed i enjoy watching them i just find that again there's really no sense of urgency and it kind of just sucks me out of the whole thing because i know everyone's gonna make it out fine i always joke that the superhero craze can like right now is going to be like in 30 years, some students vein of existence being like, Ugh, I did take superhero movies of the millennium <laughs> worst film class ever. I've seen all those movies already. Last but not least, let's talk about captain lost. You have a meaty 200 and how many pages are you at now? I know you said <laughs> you finished it, but I think it's 250. I'm not really sure because every time I count it, I end up then shoving more pages into the book. <laughs> um, so it's to be over 250. 250 uh, plus. Yeah, I do have to admit, though, there aren't that many panels on every page. Maybe each page at least has three panels, but that was by narrative and design choice. So it's still going to be a pretty quick read. That's the thing is, I'll spend three or four years drawing, and so we'll finish it in 30 minutes. So. <laughs> it's just so, the nature of comics talk about this thing and how it originated and what it's become because i know you've been through different iterations of it this little like i call him captain lost he's this little like sea captain character that i've actually been calling for like maybe like eight years of my sketchbook and um i've done different mini comic variations of the story which is like the the one that I developed into the graphic novels, a series of vignettes of this captain lost at sea and these other creatures that he kind of is into and these small um, enters or situations with. So I've illustrated the end of it several times and I was never truly happy with it because uh, I had a, a, a more larger epic idea in my head. So I probably started drawing it three or four years ago maybe three and then i put it down probably for like a year and a half didn't touch it and i probably had close to a maybe like 75 pages drawn and a lot of um the story laid out and um organized of what i should draw and then probably in 2019 i seriously sat down and was like i gotta finish this it's like been taking up much space in my mind and I just made it a priority and sat down and made sure I got X amount of pages done every month. Through sheer will, I finished it. So the drawings from the beginning look a little bit different than the drawings at the end because I was a different artist when I started it from when I finished it now. And originally that really bothered me when I was working on it. But now I feel like it really kind of fits with the themes of the story itself. So it really doesn't bother me as much. 
it's very interesting, I'm sure, to watch the growth of your work with anything else. You know, people who uh, don't like to watch themselves act, singers that don't like to hear themselves sing. Going back to your old stuff before you really, if you feel like, came into your own, I'm sure that is a challenge uh, to not want to change and not want to mess with. That's why I just try not to get too wrapped up in it. Um, there are those artists who look the same when they're in their mid-20s and then when they're in their 50s. I don't want to be like that. I feel like there are going to be times where people like my art more and there are going to be times where they like it less. Um, they might like a certain period of my work more and they might hate the stuff I'm making now. I want to keep changing. I want to keep experimenting. I don't want to keep just regurgitating the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, I feel like that gets boring after a while, and I won't feel fulfilled in what I'm making. And if I'm going to spend two or three years drawing something, I'm. it's first and foremost, I need to enjoy it, or it's going to be like torture. As much as it bothers me, just as like a pure publishing standpoint, that it looks different, intellectually, I'm happy that I've just grown and become more confident with the tools I was using and as a storyteller, and I'm just a different person from when I sat down and wrote it a few years ago. It's happened between then and now. I was in my mid-20s then, and now I'm in my late-20s. In the large scheme of my life, that's not my entire life, but I've only been on planet Earth for 30 years, so five (laughs) years feels like a lot. I'm happy with it. I can't wait. I'm starting the production on it and scanning things in, and I'm very happy I definitely will probably be at least releasing the first chapter on my website just so everyone can kind of get an idea of what the story is about and um, doing a Kickstarter for the completed book. I know that you said that panel wise, I'm assuming uh, going to do some widescreen shots and you obviously it's got an aquatic theme to it. So what drew you? to that over the years to continue that is it the isolation what kind of planted that seed and let it grow i grew up really close to the ocean so to me those are just like familiar settings and like iconography like i love being able to see the horizon because it's such a weird foreign thing when you live in a place where you can't see it so you know the ocean's the easiest way to see the horizon because you could see it over the water first when you're in like a cityscape or even where i live now it's very suburban so i don't i maybe see the horizon once a week when i'm just going highway in just a specific way where i'm at the top of a hill so i always like that idea of looking out and you just see that line separating the sky from water and watching them meet and you can see those small dots out there as like boats so i really wanted to use that as kind of the visual language of the story as well as um when you are out on the ocean and you look around and you don't see any land it's such a weird surreal feeling because it's like you're so used to sitting on the ground and there's these waves and they're pushing you it just it makes you it makes planet earth very very alien while you were describing it, it just made me think of what it f- probably feels like to be in space when you're just out there and there's just forever horizon and no, pr- it, it looks like there's no promise of ever arriving anywhere else. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I think I also like drawing science fiction and like space stories too, is because when you're just out there, it's just the most dense blackness you'll ever see because there's no light. And the fact that you need all these tools to stay alive. And growing up next to the ocean, I just always enjoyed that. I always, the sand and the beach and 
all the kind of like lighthouses and stuff like that. So I really just wanted to make, kind of make this like the end all be all, wrap all that stuff up, and then I can move on and start building a new visual language. Which I actually have been going more into like fantasy kind of drawings and stuff like that. So eventually I'll be like, cool, gonna wrap all that up uh, and then move on to something else. We'll definitely have to let people know when you have that uh, first chapter available. When your Kickstarter goes live, we will uh, try to piggyback it out there as much as we can. Oh, thank you. Yes, I definitely will be spreading the word. Give me your money. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping then after that uh, I might send it out. I just like to publish it myself so I can have a copy for myself. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Claire, it's been lovely. Thank you for uh, part two that people actually get to listen to. It's us. Listen. As always, thank you for your time. I appreciate you and can't wait to see the new things coming out. That's it for episode one. <laughs>